Mockery Manor is free and always will be, but it's not free to make. If you'd like to support the show, you can become our patron on Ko-fi. Go to ko-fi.com slash longcatmedia to chat with us, unlock bonus episodes, music albums, exclusive merch, and more. That's ko-fi.com slash longcatmedia. Thank you. Previously on Mockery Manor, ex-detective Fennec butts heads with the police when it emerges they're likely to rule Clayton's death an accident. Meanwhile, Kirstine also believes foul play and hires Betty to investigate. Betty and Fennec argue when they bump into each other in Clayton's bedroom, but are interrupted by a mysterious somebody who enters the room and removes an equally mysterious object. That night, in the forest, JJ clashes with Walter, who's been leading ghoulish true crime tours centered on the events of 89. And that's you all caught up. Y'all enjoy the episode now. Long Cat Media presents Mockery Manor, Season 3, Episode 4, Mamalacha. Clayton case. Time is 11.40 a.m. Date, Monday the 21st of May, 1996. Place, Claytonville Park. Currently in a very long line at the hot diggity dog wagon. Ugh, park's absolutely jam-packed. Did Clayton's plummet from the top of the mine train boost sales? Why are people so ghoulish? Diggity deep fried donut dog, please. 199. I had planned to explore the ride at dawn and trace the last steps of the victim, but Freddy woke up at five and wouldn't go back to sleep, so that didn't happen. I did consider taking him with me, but then I thought, is it right? What if Clay was murdered? Should I risk exposing my son to the darkest impulses of human nature? The extent of man's inhumanity to man? He's only five. And he's bound to contaminate the crime scene. He's so sticky. Two root beer floats, please. So I took him to my parents' house and asked them to look after him for a couple of days. Yes, what can I get you? A hot diggity breakfast dog, please. Lots of onions, jalapenos. And can you put a line of fudge sauce down the middle? Yeah. Anyway, all is not lost. The mine train is closed to the public for the time being, and the police left the park yesterday evening, so I should be free to... talking to me? What? Oh, no, sorry. I'm recording myself on this. It's a dictaphone. I'm a private investigator. Uh, £2.99. £2.99? Bloody hell, that's daylight robbery. Charge it to Margot Mockery. You what? Oh, never mind. Here, keep the change. Oh, one whole pence. Thank you kindly, mistress. Three quid. Outrageous. So, where was I? Oh, yes. So I just wanted to drop Freddy off and get back before the park opened. But Mother Dearest decided it was a good time to ask me about Freddy's dad again. She just won't accept I don't know where he is. She kept going on about how awful it was for Freddy. How he needs a male influence in his life or he'll grow up feminine, whatever that means. And I was like, oh my god, Mum, he's fine. And, and then she was like, you're still young, you might meet a nice man. And without thinking, I said, or woman. Oh my god, it was awful. 
My stomach dropped. Mother went completely still like she turned to stone. And we had this endless moment where we just stared at each other. But then she sort of twitched. It was like watching an animatronic jolt back to life. And she said, you look like you've put on weight. Like she hadn't even heard me. Like nothing had happened. Oh, such a relief. For a horrible moment, I thought we might have to talk about it. Can you imagine? Mm. Okay, I'm at the back of the Four Spurs mine train ride. There's a small door hidden from the public by a crop of singing cacti. The staff entrance. The door is... It's locked. Mm. But yesterday, I snuck into the control room and borrowed some keys, so... <laughs> Here goes. I'm in. So, the door opens onto a flight of stairs. Could the killer have climbed this very staircase as I do now? Gosh, everything's so new. There's barely a scuff on the stairs, nor a flaking of paint. Sweating. Shouldn't have worn a trench coat. I'm here. On the... On the platform. Okay. This is where the park guests get in and out of the ride vehicles. All right, Betty, what do you see? Open your mind. Open your eyes. So, there are the turnstiles where people queue. There's the ride track down there in a sort of trench. Somewhere over here must be the... Oh, where is it? Ah! The door to the Four Spurs stage. Our starting point. Clayton could only have left the stage this way when the lights turned off. So then what did he do? Evidently, he climbed down onto the ride track and followed it up to the summit. Why would he do that? If he was running from someone, why didn't he just leave like a park guest, out the normal exit? Why jump onto the... You again! Oh! Fennec! Betty Armstrong, what are you doing here? I thought I told you to stay out of it. How did you get in here? The ride's closed. I stepped over the rope barrier at the entrance. It's hardly Fort Knox. Oh. Answer my question. What are you doing here? I think a more pertinent question might be, isn't it illegal to impersonate a police detective, Mr. Fennec? Oh. Ha! Gotcha! Yeah, all right. Don't be so pleased with yourself. I never said I was still in the force. You strongly implied it. I thought you were going to arrest me. But you had as little right to be in Clayton's room as I did. How did you figure it out? P.I. instinct. <laughs> you told Parker or JJ you'd seen me, and they told you I was working security. Maybe. P.I. instinct. Well, it was pretty bloody clear you were up to no good. Hiding behind that curtain like a some sort of shifty, sneaky... Like you were, you mean? I was doing my job. And I'm still doing my job, so I suggest, Mr. Fennec, that you don't get in my way. If you expect me to back off just because you said so... Uh, hello, I've been hired to investigate. You haven't. Yes, I have. What? No, you haven't. Have you? You have? Who hired you? George Osman. George Osman hired you? He came to my house last night, said something was off, asked me to look into it. With my credentials, my extensive experience, the detective instincts I have honed over many, many years, for which there can be no substitute, I suppose he knew I was the best person for the job. He came to your house last night? And yet you were snooping around before that. Now, why would that be? Oh, yes. Why ever would that be? Is it because the extremely famous man I was paid to protect perished in highly suspicious circumstances? Oh. 
I've spent the last five years building my security firm from the ground up, Ms. Armstrong, only to experience the most public of failures. So yes, I'm going to find the person responsible for ruining my business, and I'm going to put my boot so far up their arse, they'll be able to use the insult to wipe away their tears. I see. So you're motivated by vengeance? Oh, yes. Very much so. You know, a taste for vengeance is often a prerequisite for murder. Is it really? Well, I never. What an extraordinary treasure trove of esoteric knowledge you are. I see your sarcasm, Mr. Fennec, and I choose to ignore it. Tell me, did you know Clayton Woodrow prior to working for him at the park? You what? A simple question. You cheeky mare. Are you questioning me? Everyone's a suspect until they're not, I'm afraid, so... What's that from? The Idiot's Guide to Investigation? May I ask? No, you may not. May I ask your exact whereabouts when Clayton fell? You expect me to answer that? If you could speak into the dictaphone when you do, that would be peachy. <laughs> All right then, Ms Armstrong. Let's dance. No, I had never met Clayton Woodrow prior to my employment here, and when he fell, I wasn't even in the park. You weren't in the park? But you were supposed to be protecting him. Where on earth were you? Miss Abilene Doherty's hotel room. Who the hell is Abilene Doc? Hang on. Abilene Doherty? Clayton Stalker? Oh, God, I read about her breaking into his house in the National Enquirer. You mean she's here, in the UK? Oh, that is very interesting. Do the police know? What were you doing in her hotel room? Were you searching it? Tell me. If you pipe down for a second, I will. Approximately an hour before the blackout, just as the concert began, Miss Doherty entered the VIP area on the rooftop of the Four Spurs Saloon and verbally attacked Kirstine Woodrow. No! Did she? Oh, didn't you know about that? Dear, oh dear. Don't know much, do you? Well... Present on the VIP rooftop bar at the time were Clayton's wife, Kirstine Woodrow, also Clayton's manager, Bobby D. McDaniels, and Bobby's personal assistant, Anna Lou Montgomery. In addition, Claytonville mastermind and general manager, George Osman. And finally, your Mr. Parker was playing bartender. It was Mr. Parker who radioed for help when Abilene Doherty showed up. Given her delicate mental state, I chose to undertake this myself rather than one of my men. And that was about an hour before the blackout. The concert had already started. It had. How did you get Abilene to go quietly? I used my considerable charm. <laughs> and then I took her to a quiet area and helped her to calm down. <laughs> You have something to say, Ms Armstrong? I'm just trying to imagine you calming anyone down. I can be a very soothing presence, thank you very much. Detective work isn't just bullying people into submission. Other skills are needed besides an obnoxiously forceful personality. Sure. Where did you take her? The shotgun wedding chapel. In Lovelorn Town? Why there? There's a telephone in the chapel's back room. Ah, did you call the police? Certainly not. Abilene Doherty is a very lost, very confused individual. The police have a dubious track record with such people. No, I rang for a taxi to take her back to where she was staying. But there were no taxis to be had, all booked up due to a certain concert. Soon my only option was to either lock her in the chapel and return to my duties... That's illegal, detaining someone like that. Yes, I am aware. Nor did I have a key. The other option was to drive her back to the hotel myself. She said it was only ten minutes away, so... That's what I did. What could go wrong in such a short time, I thought to myself. The rest of my lads know what they're doing. By the time I got back, 
Clayton was dead. Oof. Bad luck. Yep. Oh dear. Well, don't beat yourself up about it. There's probably very little you could have done if you had been here. I was stationed right here that night, in the Four Spurs mine train. Ah. I had a flashlight. Ah, yes. I imagine that might have been useful. I could have escorted Clayton safely off the stage as soon as the lights failed. If I'd been here. Hmm. That might have changed things. Yeah. Why were you in her room? What? Sorry. As you pointed out, my mind has a tendency to leap about. I just thought, why did you go into Abilene's hotel room? Why not just drop her off at the front door? Oh, I see. To make sure she didn't head back to the park that night. But how could you stop her? What did you do? Tie her to the bed? I gave her one of my sleeping tablets. You drugged her? I didn't slip it in her drink, if that's what you're thinking. I asked her if she wanted one. She said yes. Why do you carry sleeping tablets? To help me sleep? Yes, but most people leave that sort of thing by their bed. Sometimes my car is my bed. Oh. Only when I'm on a job. Cheaper than staying in a hotel. Not all of us live in a fancy manor house, you know. It's not my fancy manor house. Oh dear, that must be very hard for you. Now look here, Mr Hard Knock Life. You're not the only one who's pulled an overnighter in their car. Oh, a single all-nighter? Diddums. Many all-nighters. I have an electric blanket in the back seat for when it's really nippy. And there's empty crisp packets and chocolate wrappers all over the floor. <laughs> yeah. Jewel stains on the seats, bottles of piss in the glove compartment. You are. Well, you know, if one is to fulfil one's duties as a private investigator, one has to master the art of weeing into an empty coat bottle, doesn't one? One does indeed. Steep learning curve, though. Lots of splashy accidents. <laughs> all part of the job. <laughs> You're a lot less fancy than I thought you were, Ms. Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for answering my questions. If you want my alibi, I was in the audience when Clayton fell. The psychic medium lady, uh, Madame Magenta, her and her boyfriend, they can corroborate that. I know, I've already spoken to her. Have you? Fast worker. No flies on me. Uh, so, um, <laughs> I was... Actually, just tracing Clayton's last movements when we bumped into each other. Do you want to join me? Join you? Yes. We're here. We might as well, you know, stop, collaborate and listen. <laughs> what are you talking about? That was a vanilla ice lyric. I meant that we could... Work together? Y yes, sort of. You want us to work together? Not work together per se. More share ideas, cover ground, maybe devise a strategy. Okay, okay, yes, I do mean work together. <coughs> Is this a joke? No, I'm, I'm not... <laughs> you want us to work together? <laughs> okay, fine, do it then. God! <laughs> it's just a suggestion. Uh... Don't have to be like, uh, uh, are you joking? Uh. <laughs> fine, fine, I'm going. This way. No, no, come on. No, come on, don't be... Oh, for pity's sake. What do you want? Why are you following me? Go away! I'm not following you. Uh, yes, you are. I'm not. I'm following the track. Well, that's what I'm doing. So go look somewhere else. Uh, no, you go look somewhere else. Oh, okay then. You've convinced me with your considerable charm. Oh, bloody hell, you walk fast. You can't investigate at that speed. You'll miss things. Wait, stop! Armstrong, just stop and listen. What? What do you want? I've changed my mind. Changed your mind? Detective's prerogative. Let's do it. Ice, ice, baby. Collaborate? Yeah. Why? Because you're more athletic than I am. 
Well, younger, anyway. So I thought. You want my help? Yeah, yeah. You need me. Yes, all right. I, I need you to drop into the ride trench. What? I'll stay up here on the side. You jump down there, and we follow the track up to the summit. That way, we're less likely to miss any physical evidence. Oh, I see. All right then, Detective Fennick. You've got yourself a deal. Mmm, good. And then maybe afterwards we could talk about clues and stuff. I mean, yeah, all right. Great. I mean, whatever. I've never had someone to bounce ideas off before. Let's just get on with it, shall we? Me with my fresh, inquiring mind. You with your experience. This could really work. Trench. Get in it. <sighs> Deep, isn't it? I might need some help. Use the front of the mine cart to climb down. Oh, what? Like, hang on to the headlamps? Put your foot on the bumper. Oh, yes, I see what you mean. Okay, just let me... Left foot. Uh, oh. Try not to fall. It's not that deep. I'll be fine. Oh, one, two, and... Uh, oh. Oh. I'm fine. I'm fine. What was that? Did I just stand on something? Flashlight at the ready. We'll cover the indoor section in a couple of sweeps. Wait, I've stood on something. I can't tell what it is. It's dark down here. Use your flashlight. I am. What is it? It's glass. Tiny bits of shattered glass. Have you broken it? Yes, some of it. But there's a tube and... What is that? Don't touch it! If it's evidence, you'll contaminate it. Oh. Can you tell what it is? Well, there's... A bit of a glass tube. There's a metal bit at the end. Oh, wow. Fennec, I think this is important. What is it? It's a syringe. to rub this in their silly faces. Sure you didn't miss anything, Steve? No. How about a frigging hypodermic needle? <laughs> and if they don't send it to the lab, I'm going straight to the papers, scare the bastards into doing their job properly. Will you come back here after you've been to the police station? Of course. Great. Meet me at the manor house and we'll compare notes. <clears throat> don't you dare try and back out of this, Fennec. We made a verbal agreement. Did we? Oh, and one more thing before you go. I need to interview your security chaps. No need. I've already talked to... Well... Except for one. Oh? Rick. Ex-army. Good man. Reliable. Or so I thought. He's been somewhat evasive. I went to his flat this morning, but he didn't answer the door. Maybe he wasn't in. His car was outside. Hmm. What was he like on the day of the concert? Normal. Until... Until? The first thing I did when I got back from Abilene's hotel was talk to my lads, find out what the bloody hell had happened, but... Rick... Couldn't find him anywhere, and I haven't spoken to him since. Hmm. What's more, when I had to drive Abilene to her hotel, it was Rick that I asked to take over from me. Which means it was Rick who was guarding the mine train entrance when it all went down. He was? We have to talk to him. All right. Tonight, we can go together. I'll pick you up at 11. 11. Great. Yes! Don't be late. I won't wait. Oh, I'll be there. <laughs> Okay, bye, Detective. Good working with you today. Yeah, yeah. Whew. Time, 1.15pm. Oh, 
Golly shitting gosh, it's all hotting up already. Rick, the suspicious security guard. A hypodermic syringe. Fennec, absent from his post at the most convenient time because of Clayton Stalker. Who does have an alibi, though? How annoying. But what if Abilene's in cahoots with Rick? Working together. <gasps> That's it! No, 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 no. Come on, Betty. Let's not get ahead of ourselves before we've gathered all the facts. No more rushing into things like my bum's on fire. Instead, a calm, methodical approach. Do not stall. Sugar does help me think. Hello. Can I have a coffee and three of those funny straight donuts, please? The ribbed ones. They're called churros. Churros? They're Spanish. How fun! My son's father spoke a bit of Spanish. He used to call me his little mamaracha means cutie pie or something like that. I'm not really sure, to be honest. I don't speak any Spanish. But uh, that'll be £1.49. So, what's my next move? I need the alibis of everyone in the park that night. Uh, you, you talking to me? No, I'm talking on my dictaphone. Actually, yes, I do have a question for you. What's your name and where were you the night of Clayton's fall? Uh, Robbo. I was here. There you go. Juro's coffee. Thank you, Robbo. Do I detect an Australian accent? That's right. Oh, I love Bogan Bay. Huh. I don't watch it. Oh. <clears throat> Did you notice anything unusual on the night of the concert, Robbo? Besides the obvious, of course. Uh, Clayton Woodrow fell off the big fake mountain? No, that's the obvious thing I was referring to. Anything else? I don't know. Uh, well, they'd let too many people in. The bit they'd roped off for the audience just wasn't big enough. Thousands of people, no rides open. Recipe for disaster, mate. Wasn't it just? Thousands upon thousands of people. Perfect environment for murder. Hmm. Of course. Murder? Thank you, Robbo. You've been moderately helpful. All right, well, mind how you go. Right. Come in, JJ. Hello? Hello? JJ? Are you there? Oh, Parker. It's Betty. I have a question. Oh, what's the point of me stealing a park radio if you're never going to answer? Betty Armstrong, is that you? Oh, Harry, can you get off the airwaves, please? I'm trying to get hold of JJ or Parker. Parker's with Clayton's people, helping them with paperwork. They have to stay in the country until the body's released. And JJ must have taken the day off. I can't seem to get a hold of her. Ugh, or maybe you can help me then. Where can I view the CCTV footage from the night of the murder? Where do they keep the tapes? Hello, Harry? Are you still there? Oh, is this thing even working? The CCTV footage? I suppose you haven't worked here long. Why would you know where the CCTV footage is? No, I know where it is. Everything here runs from the same place. Music, animatronics, electricity. The CCTV tapes are in control the control room, room of, of the, the manor house. Of course. Let's see. If I were security personnel, where would I put the tapes? In here? You know you're not actually allowed in here. Of course I am. I live here. The control room? Ha ha, very funny. The manor house? Yeah, well, the control room's off limits to people To people that... who aren't me. Can you stop? Harry, chill out. I'm allowed to be here. My sister's one of the bigwigs. Are you your sister? Of course I'm not my sister. We're very different, actually. Yeah, she's allowed in here and you are not. That's not to say we're not close. But we are. Although she did get a bit closed off after the gangster thing in Germany gangster thing. And she's just so unpredictable. So you're the predictable one. Oh my god, no. That makes me sound boring. Okay. I'm not boring. 
I've backpacked across half of Asia. Wow. I had a baby with a man I'd known for two minutes. Smart. I'm a PI, for Christ's sake. Yeah, you told me before, several times. Almost like you're paranoid about being seen as just a mom. And not being cool anymore? No. I'm not worried about not being cool anymore. And quite frankly, that's a really weird thing to say. I didn't say I it. mean, yeah, some people peak in high school, but I'm scaling new heights, baby. Oh, boy. Oh, I know what you're doing. I don't know why, but you're trying to get under my skin. Why are you even here, Harry? Bit weird, isn't it? I mention I'm heading to the control room, and then guess who I find when I open the door? I was already in the control room when you radioed. Oh? Why? You're not the only one who wants the Claytonville CCTV footage. So you want it too? Nope. George does. I'm just the errand boy. George Osmond? Well, he can't have it. I call dibs. I was here first. I was literally here first. But don't worry, I'm making copies. They'll be done soon. Right. Good. Thank you. Very efficient. That's what George pays me for. Hmm. Does he now? So you want to go for a drink sometime? <laughs> what? Oh, my answer hasn't changed from last time. You're not allowed to fall in love with me, Harry. Where were you on the night of the murder? You think it was murder? That's right. Tell me, Harry, as George's right-hand man, what was your role during the Clayton concert? Uh, I didn't have one. He gave me the night off. Why? Because I've been working non-stop trying to get this place ready in time. George expects a lot of you. He sure does. He's in over his head with this Claytonville. And when that man panics... Hmm. How well did you know Clayton? Because we're both Americans, you think I know him. Did you? Oh, sure, yeah. We were on the same baseball team. We used to hold hands. Oh, what about Kirstine? What about her? I saw you two talking the night Clay died. We, we were? I don't recall. You don't recall talking to a beautiful country and western superstar? Beauty and status. That don't impress me much. Well, let me jog your memory. About 1am, the police made us wait in the study. All senior managers and all residents of the manor. Bobby was shouting his head off. The assistant, Anna Lou, was crying. George and Parker were forcing cups of tea on everyone. My sister was chewing her fingernails into nubs. And amongst all this, you and Kirstine were over by the liquor cabinet, heads together, talking rather intently. Oh, that, I was, I saw, she kind of looked like she wanted a cigarette. No, I was going to give her one of mine. That's nice of you. And what about earlier during the concert? Where were you then? In the audience. Anyone able to corroborate that? Don't know. I, I went alone. So basically no alibi then? Guess not. Hmm. Tape's ready. I'll take that. You uh, want a spoiler? A spoiler? You've already watched the footage. Only from the camera just inside the mine train. Go on. Something real funky happened not long before the lights went out. What? Someone entered the ride. <gasps> what did they look like? Hard to tell. The picture quality isn't great. They were not tall, not short, moving quickly. What about the hair? Long? Short? Bald? It was covered. By a hat? By a hood. A hood? Like a monk? No, like a young person. Like they had a big old sweatshirt with a hood pulled up. Ugh, this is no good. Let me see for myself. Okie dokie. There. Damn it, I can't see their face. The hood's pulled up too far forward. But look at the arms of the hoodie. The stars and stripes. Very distinctive. Wait. 
Is that a lanyard around their neck? Go back! It is. It's a mockery security pass. Mockery Manor is written by Lindsay Sharman and directed by Lindsay Sharman and Lawrence Owen. Music, sound design and editing by Lawrence Owen. Hayley Evanett was Betty, John Henry Fall was Fennec, Luke Capasso was Harry, and Lawrence Owen was Robbo and additional voices. Mockery Manor is supported by Arts Council England National Lottery Project Grants and our wonderful patrons on Ko-fi. If you'd like to become one of them and help me and Lindsay keep making podcasts, tap the link in the show notes of this episode or go to longcatmedia.com. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. The buyer awaits your decision, poised as one both ready for a fight and assured of its outcome. I'll have that relic now. That cool pretty boy have more healing. We gonna need it. You guys might. One of you dies and I'm running for it. So don't. We'll have to use every advantage and we've not many left. So I'm confused. Uh, what am I supposed to say to him? Marcus, it's a role-playing game. Right. So you're this holy guy, Benedict. Right. And he's just joined this adventuring party. Right. Why? Because we needed someone to heal us and not ask questions. Dumb! What? Any reason you want, Marcus. That's the great thing about this game. You can be anyone you want. Do anything you want for any reason, so long as it's true to your character. Cool. I totally got this. Uh, Wait, but... This artifact belongs to my church, and as such, I cannot part with it for any price. (laughs) Uh, what did I say? Kill them all! The Ordinary Epic, a podcast series about the extraordinary, the ordinary, and something in between. Listen now at theordinaryepic.com or on your favorite podcast app.